Hey everybody, I forgot to turn my mic on. That would help. I hope you can hear me now. Just want to say hello out there and welcome to the Christine Grace broadcast, the live stream. And today is Thursday, November 14th, 2019. It is now 6.30 p.m. and I am broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. That's right, I'm live. None of this uh, pre-recorded or pre-edited stuff. It's live, warts and all, and I'm living on the edge. <laughs> Alright, and it's being piped directly into Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube simultaneously. we got we got viewers on all three platforms. And uh, I have one word for you this evening. It is, wow. I mean, really, that is my word for this evening. Wow. What a conference. Okay, the 2019 13th Street Bible Conference was simply wonderful. And I had such a great time. Uh, you know, first of all, I was so glad to be uh, back in, in the company of the Saints in Ashland. Uh, many of these brethren, these brothers and sisters I've known for a, a long time now, going back well over 16 years. And it was just a, a good time to be in their company. And I got to meet my friends from Texas, my new friends from Texas. Recently, Justin Martinez, Nicholas Wade, and Daisy White. They are my younger brothers and sister. And uh, it was so nice to meet them finally. As well as it was nice to meet my friend from Georgia, Tim Pinnell. So... Tim, I know, I know you're out there watching. I just want to say it was nice to meet you and I enjoyed spending time with you, especially eating lunch over there at the, uh, uh, the pizza place there in Ashland and uh, spending the time with Tim James and Gary and Jim and Bob and Nicholas. Yeah, and of course, uh, it was nice to meet with, uh, fr with old friends I hadn't seen in a while like Scott and Rebecca Price. Gary Shepard, who I already mentioned, Tim James, Norman Nancy Wells, and Casey Reagan. Did I get it right this time, Casey? <laughs> I, I, I've been mispronouncing her name for a while now. Hopefully I got it right. And, uh, of course, my longtime friends, uh, Bob and Ruth Higby. And it was really special, really special to me to meet face-to-face -face for the first time my good friend and con pristine grace contributor, Nicholas Lorenzo. St. Nicholas, as he's known on the forum, and his wife, Elaine. The preaching of the gospel was most excellent. I especially enjoyed the sermon from Gary about the nature of faith, that belief is a mental assent to the truth, that involves knowledge of the truth, and that there is no head or heart a distinction slash or dichotomy as you hear in a lot of churches that are that preach today you'll hear people say you got to believe in your head and you also got to believe in your heart uh, and that's what matters the most and the only thing that's preventing people from getting to heaven is 18 inches that's a bunch of bull 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 hockey malarkey is what it is and Gary uh, Preached a great sermon on that. It was also great to hear uh, Norm Wells talk about absolute predestination 
and calling predestination one of the pillars of Christianity. And the quality of these sermons just keeps getting better and better. And I've been listening for a long time. And you go back and you listen to Henry Mahan, and he really is an excellent preacher. All right? I'm not dissing him in any way. But these guys that are preaching today, uh, Jim Berg, Gary Shepard, Norm Wells, Tim James, I can name others. They're, they're great. These guys are really advancing the cause of God and truth in their own unique way. And I'm just really loving it. Okay? And it was... It was a really good time of gospel fellowship and worship. And I also read on the uh, conference sheet, uh, the, uh, the, the conference sheet that the next conference is, is planned for next year. Uh, it's going to be in November of next year as well. And I just love that time. And uh, I hope to meet a lot of you next year there as well, Lord willing. Maybe we'll meet some new folks. And just to let everybody know, I do attend Ashland 13th Street Church uh, services at the end of every month, usually. I will be there at the end of this month and also at the end of next month. And as often as I'm going, maybe I'm just going to have to make it my permanent home. Uh, I'm also attending, I'm trying to get down to Drew Dietz's church there and, and, uh, and, uh, Nathan Terrell's church and Bruce's there down in uh, Jackson, Missouri once a month as well. But for some reason or another, and I really love those guys down there so much, but for some reason or another, the Lord seems to be calling me to the Ashland area. Don't know how that's going to work out considering I have a career here in St. Louis. And it would, it would, we have family here in Missouri, but I, my own personal I'm getting tired of the UP St. Louis area as well. And I just want to spend the rest of my days around the Saints week in and week out. Okay. So, also I want to send out a note of encouragement to Renat Ilyasov. I, he's uh, my Russian friend up there. And I just got to say, I've been really enjoying his videos in English. And if you haven't seen them on YouTube, I do recommend you check his channel out. Most of his stuff is in Russian, so I can't understand most of his videos because I don't speak Russian. <laughs> uh, but his short little videos in English are top-notch. Uh, he is a brother that I have a lot of agreement with, especially his understanding of the gospel. And that leads me in today's, into today's topic. And the title of my message today is... Continuing in the Apostles' Doctrine. Okay, so while we were there at the conference, the uh, Texas crew, they, they uh, we decided to have a little recreation on Sunday after the conference. We went to this little place, in, this little arcade bar in West Virginia. It's free arcade games, and it was a great place to take the kids, and I also thought it would be a great place for the Texas crew to go. So they decided to drive one out there before they drove home. And after they were done playing their little video games, uh, they came up to me. I was sitting at the table with uh, my wife, Angie, and uh, our sister, uh, Alyssa, Terry Parker. Uh, they asked me uh, what I felt about this, the sermons that were preached. Uh, because I have a different view on Adam. And they... They asked me 
how I felt about their sermons, and that sort of prompted me to speak about this topic today. Okay, and this also was in line with my previous podcast about water baptism, studying to be quiet, the different perspectives and justification, and receiving weak brethren. All right. And that leads to the question, what exactly are the things we should break fellowship over? What is it that we should come together on? And how do we decide these things? Okay, and these, there can be some very hard questions to answer, especially if you're new to the faith, to, the, to believing the gospel. And there's just so much, so much that's coming at you. You can be bombarded by a myriad of different views. If you crack open up a theology textbook today, you can be overwhelmed with all the different perspectives on doctrine that exist. Not to mention Facebook and the bickering that goes on there. It is hard to know what to believe, especially if you're new to the faith. So, if you're new uh, to believing the gospel, let me, uh, let me encourage you to, to keep listening. Okay? And actually, if you're old... If the, the gospel is not new to you, you've loved and believed in it for a long time, I, I'd encourage you to keep listening as well. Okay? And speaking of different views, there are different eschatological or end times views. There are different views on baptism, water baptism, how you should be baptized, when you should be baptized. There are different views on ecclesiology or how churches should be governed. And uh, questions like, should you break bread every week or once a month? What do you call the preacher? Is he a pastor or is he an elder? All these are questions. Uh, should you use hymns or praise music with drums and horns? Uh, all are good questions and something that every believer should consider studying because we want to learn as much as possible about the truth. All right? But however, no believer out there will agree with another believer 100% on everything. So we need a guide on what we should base our fellowship upon. What is this guide? Alright, what is this guide? What are the elements or points of agreement we should fellowship over? All, all questions we need to ask. And right now I know there's there's got to be somebody out there thinking, There's I know some people when they hear this, they're going to jump up and down and say, I know, I know, I know the answer. Creeds, creeds, confessions, creeds. All right, our church, they might say, requires agreement on the Westminster Confession of Faith, the WCF, or the London, Be London Baptist Confession of 1644, 1689. Some are going to say John Gill's goat yard is the standard. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love studying the creeds. I have a lot of these creeds on pristinegrace.org for studying, all right? But it is my opinion that these, these creeds can be very restrictive. And yeah, they are deceptive because they, they appear to be an easy go-to to form a basis of unity. But in reality, they limit believers who have genuine, and I mean genuine differences of opinion on, a, on different points of doctrine. 
there is no room for genuine disagreement when you're shoehorned by a confession or creed. And creeds and confessions are not scripture. They are pretty much systematic commentaries on doctrines contained in scripture. They are not authoritative unless they truly, and I mean truly, represent the teachings of scripture. So I find them great when used as a commentary. But like my baptism message, they can be another dividing wall of hostility. They can be used to promote sectarianism, in my opinion. So, I, I, I skew the creeds. So, well, let's see. I wouldn't expect a new believer to have all their theology worked out. When they, when they first believe, they don't understand everything that they don't understand all points of Christian doctrine, of all gospel doctrine. In fact, I wouldn't expect any of us to have our all of our theology worked out. Theology gets worked out over time after coming to a saving belief in the gospel, okay, as it's presented in Scripture. I myself don't have all my theology worked out. I still have a lot of questions. I still have a lot of unknowns that I don't know about. So, you know, I, I just don't like writing everything down that I believe and saying, okay, this is what I believe. I talked about it with Greg over here. I talked about it with John and Jim, and they both are in agreement with me. Therefore, if you're going to be a member of our church, you have to agree with us on every single point. That is nothing more than a dividing wall of hostility because there's so much, there's so many detailed fine points and you can't get, it takes a long time to get to an agreement on a lot of this stuff. Jim and John and me, we got together and rewrote down a creed, but we've got decades of studying theology behind us. All right? Yet, you will find in churches across the land requirements for membership by agreeing to a particular creed or confession. And it is my opinion that this is wrong. New believers are just as much our brothers and sisters in Christ as seasoned believers. So let's give them some time to study and learn. And when you shoehorn them in to a creed or confession that is highly detailed, there is no room for them to think and to study or even consider Something that is true that even that might go against those creeds, and there is some crazy, ridiculous nonsense, and even anti-gospel stuff that can be found in many creeds and confessions. So, let's get rid of the creeds. And if creeds aren't to be used to bind believers together, if they're not the basis of unity, then what do we use? And this is a hard question for some, but it's also really easy. It's really quite simple to me, and that is the gospel, okay? So, I'm going to actually go to scripture this week, and we're going to read a little bit, maybe a little more than we need to. So if you would with me, turn in, turn with you in your Bibles, get your Bibles out, and turn with me to Acts chapter 2, or if you're like me, You'll pull up your eSword app and you can look there. Or if you can you can just sit there and listen. <laughs> because I'm just gonna read it to you. 
All right. And Peter is preaching here in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in the sepulcher, is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls. Three thousand. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and, all had, all, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. All right, what a beautiful passage of the early church. Breaking bread from house to house, continuing daily with one accord. Okay, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. All right. Let's go back to verse 42 and notice what it says there. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Did the apostles have a confession? Did they have a creed? Yeah, they did. It was the gospel. And this gospel is as follows. I'm going to make it really short and sweet for you because I know many of you have heard the gospel. Christ alone. Grace alone, faith alone, according to the scriptures alone, that's an important part, all for the glory of God alone. And that encapsulates the entire gospel. 
Everything else is secondary. Okay? Everything else is secondary. And they are secondary unless these secondary doctrines affect the primary issue, the gospel, that everybody has unity on. Okay? And when they affect the primary issue of the gospel, they become primary. Secondary issues then become primary issues to divide over. Example, full preterism. That is a doctrine I would and actually have divided with people over. Alright, let me move this monitor up a little bit. Okay, we are saved to a future resurrection in Christ. We have a living hope that will be raised from the dead. Okay? And the Gnostic teaching of preterism is inherently against the gospel because it denies the bodily resurrection of the saints. And, okay? Teaching that it has already occurred. Paul addressed this uh, very important issue in his letters to Timothy and his first letter to the church in Corinth. Alright? So that's an issue I'd divide over. So what about baptism? Is that that's an issue we've discussed before? I've already addressed this. This is a secondary issue. This is not an issue to divide over, unless it affects the gospel. How baptism might affect the gospel? Baptismal regeneration. All right, that's a denial of the gospel as it conditions salvation on something the person does. But mode of baptism, I do not see how that affects the gospel in any way. Whether you dunk somebody or pour water on them, it doesn't matter, okay, when it comes to the gospel. It, yeah, there is a correct way to baptize, but it's a secondary issue. What about paying preachers? Secondary. And you hear about that in primitive Baptist churches. What about using musical instruments or not using them? Oh, some people make a big deal about that. I consider that to be a secondary issue. How does that affect the gospel? I don't know. What about uh, hymns or praise music with drums and horns? You go into uh, some Pentecostal churches and you'll see them uh, dancing or using drums and horns. I consider that to be a secondary issue. All right. None of the gospel churches I know use drums and horns or dance around a church, but... So we haven't actually, I haven't actually had to deal with that issue. <laughs> Meeting in homes or designated buildings, secondary issue. Uh, I've known some people, myself included, who once made a big deal about house churches. What about nurseries or Sunday schools? You hear about that in primitive Baptist churches. Secondary issue, okay? Does not involve the gospel. What about ordaining women as elders? All right. Ah, this one's a tough one. I consider that to be secondary, though. However, I would say that it's symptomatic of anti-gospel doctrine. Okay, because it's clearly against the teachings of Scripture. And I've not once, not once, have I seen a church that, is, that has spoken the gospel tr faithfully have women elders. Alright, so it's not an issue I've really had to encounter. Don't know why... We spent a lot of time talking about that because I haven't seen any. Alright. What about women with head coverings? Alright. Uh, I have some reformed brethren on on, uh, on on Facebook. Okay, I don't like that word reformed, but 
there are some uh, believers out there that are still caught up in some reformed teachings, like the Free Church of Scotland. All right, there's uh, there's a lady here in St. Louis I talk to on Facebook occasionally. She believes you need to wear head coverings because of the the passages in, to the Corinthians on that from Paul. All right, I consider that to be a secondary issue. All right, I consider the lady's hair to be her her, her covering, but uh, some people don't, and they make it an issue, and they uh, put little hats on when they go to church. Or sometimes it's only at church. Some other some women believe they should wear them at all times. All right. To me, that's a secondary issue. I don't see how it affects the gospel. Tithing. I'm 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 against tithing. I don't believe in tithing. We're no longer under the law. All right. Some people see a principle of tithing in the scriptures. All right. I consider it to be a secondary issue. However, you know sometimes those secondary issues are really symptoms of not knowing the gospel. Here's one that has really uh, made a, a big splash. Here's an issue. The made sin controversy. I consider this to be primary. And that's because it affects the nature of God, the nature of Christ, and therefore the gospel. This is an issue that split all the Mayhan churches over the past 15 years. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. But that was one that was necessary to divide over. Okay? What about hell? Are the reprobate eternally punished or are they consumed in annihilation? Some people call this conditional immortality. My good brother David Bishop, he, uh, he affirms this. Well, my opinion is we're not saved from hell. We were never destined for hell. The elect were always destined for heaven. We were saved from our sins, as Matthew one twenty one says. Okay, so I consider this a secondary uh, point of doctrine. It's not a major point of doctrine to divide over. But some people make it an issue. They make it a primary issue. All right. What about disagreements on the homologumina? Okay, that's a tough word to say, homologumina and the antilegumina. Those are probably two words you've probably not heard. All right? But they're familiar to us on Pristine Grace, on the forum. Okay? They represent the primary and secondary books of the uh, Protestant canon. Example, Martin Luther considered the book of James to be a book of secondary importance, not primary importance, as it was a disputed book almost through all of history. It wasn't until the deed of Regensburg in 1541 that the Roman Catholics and Protestants sat down and agreed that it should be primary canon, or homologumina, and therefore no longer disputed. Should believers divide over this issue? I don't think so. I think it's a secondary issue. There's nothing about canon in Scripture. Scripture is self-authoritative and requires no councils or creeds or confessions to determine it as such. Disputes over the books and the canon of Scripture should only be primary when the gospel is compromised. That's when we divide. So what about the disagreements over the nature of God and his attributes? And this can be tricky. Uh, it, this can be a primary issue as it can affect the gospel. Example, 
if you deny the sovereignty of God, uh, okay, if we'll, you don't believe the gospel, okay? Because the entire gospel is about God's sovereign will to save sinners in Christ, okay? And if God is not sovereign, then man is. And there's some might say, I object to that. Okay, well, too bad. I don't really care. Okay? <sighs> it's, it's, a, it's a gospel issue. So, there are some that might say, well, we really should uh, agree on, on as many points as we possibly can. And I would agree with that. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says there should be no divisions amongst us. Alright, it says here in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Okay, and what I believe the Apostle Paul here is talking about is us coming together as believers and agreeing on the core gospel doctrine and striving together to be in unity as much as possible. As Amos 3.3 says, Can two men walk together lest they be agreed? No, no, nobody's ever going to agree with everybody on everything. No two men are going to agree together on everything. But we as believers should strive to agree with each other as much as possible. Okay? We need to be very careful, though, not to elevate those secondary doctrines or disagreements that don't affect the gospel to primary importance. And I think that's what Paul's referring to there in that passage. And I have my own personal disagreements with nearly everybody out there on many different things. But... I would be violating the command of Paul here by putting my foot down and insisting upon my understanding on secondary issues by elevating them to primary status. Alright? I've got my own unique perspective on Scripture. I've, I've got my own opinion on certain doctrines. Many of you know what they are. I, I don't hesitate to tell you what they are when I talk to you, and I, I, I publish them on Pristine Grace. And I've got my own shibboleths as well. Okay? But I, I think it would be wrong for me to insist that you agree with me on everything. If we're going to have fellowship with one another. Alright? My wife and I don't agree together on everything. And those of you who are married know what I'm talking about. Alright? But there is agreement in a marriage to work together, to, to serve the common good, to raise children together, to worship the Lord together. But, you know, sometimes we can't agree on where we want to live or, or what color car we want to buy. Okay? <laughs> Those are secondary issues in a marriage. There are primary issues in a marriage that you do have to have agreement on. Such as, what are we going to teach the kids? How are we going to educate them? All right, are we going to send them to homeschool? Are we going to homeschool them or send them to a private school or public school? Those are things that I think you and your wife should come to an agreement upon. 
all right? And most of all, you should agree on the gospel. That's the number one thing that binds a marriage together. If you don't have that, it's hard to have a marriage, okay? Because that's a primary issue for, for believers, all right? For unbelievers, I can't counsel them on their marriages. I can't tell them how they can improve their marriage because the, <laughs> the only true marriage that has any of any significance what and any everlasting joy is one that's based on Christ okay so this leads me all back to the question posed to me this Sunday in West Virginia by Nicholas and Justin they they said hey Brandon you heard Norm and Gary talking about Adam you have your disagreements with with them on Adam's fall what did you think of their sermons and to answer that question, quite simply, you're right, I do disagree with them on the nature of Adam before the fall. I don't believe he was my federal representative and, and that he was simply a picture of all the elect. So I disagree with them on their, their Augustinian doctrine of original sin. Whoop-de-doo. We're brothers in the gospel. All right, And I love their sermons because they were gospel-honoring. They were Christ-honoring, all right? And I rejoiced when I heard them. And I, and I rejoiced inside, and, I, and there was an emotional experience in me. <laughs> I don't trust my experiences, but I did, uh, I did, I did uh, rejoice, okay, with them as they preached the gospel. God's people are at all stages of learning, and... Some are given way more light than others. But we're all given the light of the gospel to, to look to Christ, to rest upon him for all righteousness, for all of salvation. Okay, And secondary issues are just that, secondary. They're not primary. So just, just so everyone is clear, I do believe there is a correct answer to all secondary disputes. But not everybody is right. There's a lot of false secondary doctrine out there, and I'm sure I have some of it, some of my own. Okay? But if somebody confesses the correct primary doctrine and doesn't confess secondary doctrine that conflicts with the primary doctrine of the gospel, and we have unity. We have gospel unity. And that is all I have for you today. Alright? So, I look forward to live streaming with all of you again next week. I'm beginning to really enjoy these. I think I'm getting the knack for it. I think I found the secrets to preparing these messages properly. And delivering them properly. Let me know what you think. I would appreciate your comments, any concerns, any any complaints, any compliments you might give me or encouragements. I would really appreciate that. And uh, I'm enjoying these because I think that they can be helpful to uh, my friends and family in Christ. Okay, so I got to say to you today, gospel, gospel blessings Grace and peace. See you next time. Same place next week. And love in Christ. See you later.